for listening to Embassy City Church's audio podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message and his word today. For more information on our church, please visit us at embassycity.com. Get your Bibles. Go to uh, the book of Matthew, chapter number 22. The book of Matthew, chapter number 22. Um, The Lord laid this... uh, message on my heart uh, after a conversation that I was having with a couple of people earlier on in the week. And um, it's, it's, it's something that's really been bubbling up. So um, I, I hope that uh, it blesses you. I want to read 14 verses, the first 14 verses of uh, Matthew 22, and then I'll give you the title of today's message. So Matthew chapter number 22. Starting at the first verse, Jesus is talking to uh, the religious leaders whom he adores, right? They just just have a very special relationship. Uh, Here's what he says. Jesus also told them other parables. He said, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited, but they all refused to come. So he sent other servants to tell them the feast has been prepared. The bulls and fattened cattle have been killed and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. But the guests he had invited ignored them and went their own way, one to his farm, another to his business. Verse 6 is troubling. Others seized his messengers and insulted them and killed them. The king was furious. And he sent out his own army to destroy the murderers and burn their town. And he said to his servant, the wedding feast is ready and the guests I invited aren't worthy of the honor. Now go out to the street corners and invite everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike. And the banquet hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to meet the guests, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding. Friend, he asked, how how is it that you are here without wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. Then the king said to his aides, bind his hands and feet and throw him into the outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Dang, king. For many are called, but few are chosen. If you're taking notes on this message, and you should be taking notes, why? That's right, because nerds rule the world. If you're taking notes on this message, the title of this message, two words, write them down. Change clothes. You need to change clothes. Bow your heads. Let's pray over the message, shall we? Holy Spirit, help us to change clothes. Amen. One of the most fascinating parables that Jesus tells in his scathing indictment against the religious leaders is this parable that we've just read. In it is so much metaphor, and so much finger-pointing 
that, that only someone that doesn't have a clue uh, could walk out of the dialogue back and forth between Jesus and his religious leaders without clearly understanding to whom he was speaking to. He gives this parable and he says that there was a king who decided to throw a wedding feast for his son. He invited all the guests, but the guest that he invited did not want to come. He's talking about the children of Israel. He's talking about this religious, these religious leaders that have moved away from the type of relationship that God wanted to establish when he brought them out of Egypt so that they could worship him and have a one-on-one relationship with him. He says that, that, that I've been sent to you to call you into this wedding feast so that we could all be together. I've sent the invitations out, but you don't want to come. Because you don't want to come, and you have all these excuses, I'm going to invite some other people. And, and I love how the parable is set up. I had specific guests that I invited, people that, that, that uh, I had a relationship with, people that I had relational equity with. I invited them to this party, to this feast. But since they didn't want to come, I'm just going to invite anybody. I love that about God. That after his intended demographic did not want to accept his love, that he didn't just go look for one other specific group of people. He opened it up to anybody. He said, hey, listen, um, go call anybody. Go into the streets, call anybody that wants to come, and I love this part, good and bad alike. Not just good people. Not just people that have, you know, pleasant dispositions, Nice smiles, good demeanors. Call bad people too. Call some thugs. <laughs> call some gangsters. Call some hustlers. Call, call white collar criminals. Hackers. Real estate fraud. <laughs> Tax Call them all. I don't care who they are. Just call everybody in here. And all of these people come and drove to this party. Why? Because I already set it up. There's going to be a feast regardless. Whether the intended demographic wanted to show up or not, there's going to be a feast regardless, so just call them all in here. And he does. And all of these people, unintended guests, show up to this party, and the king comes down to meet him, and he notices that one of the guys one of the girls doesn't have on the right clothes. I love the way that he addresses them, even though he had never met them and didn't have a covenant with them. Friend, how, how is it that you've accepted this invitation to this party have shown up to this party, but you don't have on the right clothes. What's interesting to me is that there's no reply. Now, I'm the type of person, and my son gets this honestly, 
we are fast on our feet. Now, now, I have learned over the years and through many beatings from my dad. that if you're going to be fast on your feet, be fast with the truth. But, but I'm very rarely caught without a reply. So if I show up to a party and you ask me a question like this, I'm going to have a reply. It may not be the right one, but I would imagine I would say something. This person has no reply. And then the king turns. It just seems like it goes south so fast. Like, like, like it was a question, no response, and then it just gets gangster. Like, I mean, it, it's, the sequence just seems like it, it, you just leaped so far. Why don't you have on the right clothes? No reply. Throw this man into outer darkness. What? <laughs> like, it just seems like a big, you know what I mean? Hey, uh, you were three minutes late. Why? No reply. Fired. It just seems like, it's my first time. I'm so sorry. Why was it so harsh? I remember as a young believer reading this scripture and not having context to it, not having done any uh, real research into the history and the context. Uh, anybody like me, you've read certain parts of the Bible and walked away and was like, man, God, wow. You, 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 I clearly don't understand. Sometimes you are just mean. Anybody beside me, that just don't make any sense. I still have some scriptures that I'm like, I don't, you know what, I'm going to ask you later. Because I, I kind of don't even know what you're doing right now. This particular scenario, I was like that as a younger believer, but as I got older, I began to really dig into this passage and, and find out the context and the situation, circumstances that surrounded it. And, and, and here's what I found out. The king's actions were justified. And they were justified because of this reason. There was no king or anybody with that amount of wealth or those means that would throw an invitation out to the public and assume that they had the right clothes to wear. So a person with that amount of wealth and that amount of means would purchase the garments for everyone that would attend. So if you accepted an invitation to this feast, garments would be provided for you at the door. There would be servants on both sides, and as you walked in, they would say, thank you for uh, accepting this invitation. Here are the garments for this party. This is the attire. This is the dress code for this party. Uh, 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 please go inside. The, the invitation is come as you are. But the implication is you can't stay as you are. The invitation are, is all are welcome. But the invitation is also, you can't stay the same. The invitation is, I'll take you wherever you currently are. I don't even care. 
If you got a bottle in your hand, a blunt in your hand, okay, a bat in your hand, I just had to go with the bees. Um, it's trying to alliterate right there. Just come. We'll work it out later, but, but, but I have something. I, I bought something for you to wear. So when the king comes down, everyone's changed their clothes except this one person. And when he asked him, why didn't you change your clothes? How is it that, that, that you got in and, and you passed the servants who, who had the garments and you still have on the same clothes that, that you were invited in? There's no reply. Which implies to me obstinance. A little bit of rebellion. I saw the clothes that you had there. I ain't like them. It's really not my style. I don't get down like that. I'm more of a business casual person. I'm more of a straight suit and tie person. I, you, you know, this, this seemed a little too, I, this not, just not my style. No reply was a reply. And then he says, not just like you're uninvited. Not like, hey, would you please leave the premises? Throw him into outer darkness. He tells him to leave. Jesus is not just communicating to the religious leaders in this parable. He's communicating it to everyone who would ever be invited to the table. Jews and Gentiles alike. So there's four points that I have to this message, and I want you to write these down. Here's the first point. Please write this down. God calls you with the clothes you have on. God calls you with the clothes you have on. Here's what it says in Romans chapter number five, verse number eight. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. When he gives the invitation, he knows that you're not in fellowship with him. He knows that you're disconnected from him. He knows that you're not in right standing with him. When he gives the invitation, he calls you right where you are. When God gives an invitation to come into a relationship with you, he's not waiting for you to clean up before you show up. All he's saying is you can come right now with whatever you're struggling with right now, with whatever habits you have right now, with whatever dysfunctionalities you have right now, you can come. Whatever clothes you have on, you can come now. Wow, we were yet sinners. Christ died for the ungodly. It's a beautiful thing to receive an invitation to a party that you were originally not invited to. And you get to show up just as you are. He says, come. I'll take you just as you are. Point number two, write this down. God provides a change of clothes. 
He calls you like you are. But he doesn't have any expectation that you stay as you are. Here's what it says in Romans chapter number 13, verses 12 through 14. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity or immoral living or in quarreling or jealousy. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. You've come into a community of faith. You've come into a relationship with God. He took you just as you were. But he has no intention to make you stay as you are. Here's what he says. Take off those dark deeds, that sinful nature, like dirty clothes, and put on the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to wear him. He looks better on you than you look on you. Anybody beside me? Anybody uh, uh, had the either beautiful revelation or nightmarish revelation that, you know what, I probably shouldn't do me. It's like one of the worst pieces of counsel ever given to Gen X and millennials. Do you. You really shouldn't. I'm just letting you know, I've done me. It's not, no, it's not good. It's never turned out right. I'm going to make my own decisions. I'm grown. I mean, okay. The Holy Spirit could probably give you better counsel than you could give yourself. Anybody beside me? You've done you, and then you were like, I shouldn't do me no more. (laughs) In Jesus' name, amen. It's not a good look. Stop. Here's what he says. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on his character, his attributes, his personality. Because he loves when you hate. He's disciplined when you're not. He's faithful when you want to be unfaithful. He's honest when you want to lie. He's pure when you want to lust. Listen, the Lord Jesus Christ, that's who we want to put on. He says, change the clothes, change them. I gave you something to wear. When my son died on that cross, I gave you something to put on. But evangelism is come as you are. That's exactly right. We want everybody to come. But we don't want anybody to stay the same. See, thank you, Holy Spirit. There, there, there is something that is happening in 2018 Christianity where we want people in church so bad that we won't even tell them to change their clothes anymore. We want people in community so bad. We want our churches to be so packed. We don't want to ruffle anyone's feathers so much that whatever you have on is fine. I don't care what it is. It's just fine. La, la, la. Jesus is love. It's just fine. Whatever you have on, it's just good. And it's not. Whatever, is, whatever you have on is fine enough for you to come here. 
but it won't be good enough for you to stay here. Point number three, please write this down. This is my favorite point. God can't make you change your clothes. <laughs> oh, Jesus, thank you. Romans 6.16 says this. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death. Or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. It's your choice. The servants gave the clothes. This individual chose not to wear them. God comes into the picture and says, why haven't you changed your clothes? He doesn't say, change your clothes or you're going to hell. You better change those clothes. There might be a bullet with your name on it. You better change those clothes. Hell is hot. Hot. Better change those clothes. Change them. Go into hell. Change them. You're going to bust hell wide open. Change them. God is coming back. Change them. Oregon. Certain people have horribly misrepresented God's heart. God is not going to try to scare you into changing your clothes. He provides the clothes he would like to see you in to be at his table. And if you don't want to wear them, you don't have to. But you don't get to stay here. You don't want to change your clothes? That's your choice. But you won't get to stay here. That's completely different than being scared into a decision that you really don't want to make. Here's what I love about God. He's not petty. He sent his son to die on the cross that you might have life that maybe perhaps if you could really see the extravagant gift that he really displayed on that cross that maybe just maybe you would come into a relationship with him perhaps one day change your clothes but he's never going to scare you into it you have to make choice. I've told this story uh, in the past. Maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't, but um, uh, I have an, had an uncle who uh, was known for his incredible evangelistic ministry. Every single place that he went to to preach, revival, weekend service, people gave their life to Jesus. There was always a soul that got saved, always a soul that came into the kingdom. Uh, what was not scrutinized was his tactics. Uh, that he uh, oftentimes 
uh, would put the fear of God and man into you (laughs) during said decision time to make a decision. So it was never like, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? It was what uncle is saying to you. And uh, one, one day he came to uh, the church that my parents pastored for 15 years. God's way home this fellowship. It's the church I got saved in. And he preached a sermon. At the end of it, my brother and I were there. I was 18. My brother was 17. And uh, we were sitting there, and he told us to stand up at the end of the service. So we stood up. I had on my earrings. Now, I'm, I'm from Cali. I had on my earrings. Little diamond studs, you know, nice big size shirt, some baggy jeans on. My brother was dressed very similar to me. And uh, he said, uh, look at you. (laughs) Standing there with them earrings and things. You need to make a decision. Jesus or the devil? It's a decision that you have to make or you're going to bust hell wide open. Now, y'all know I'm a literalist. And I'm, I'm thinking too much. I'm, I'm going to bust it wide open. Like, it's, I'm going to do it. It's not already burst. I'm, my decision is going to be the one that splits this thing wide open. Then he said something else, and it's sad, I can laugh about it now, but this is just learned behavior, that this is the way they did back then. He said, you never know, there could be a bullet out there with your name on it. Again, I'm a literalist. Who hates me so much that they are going to write my, take the time and write my name on the bullet. It's my first thought. Second thought, this must be a proficient shooter. Because what if the bullet they wrote my name on misses? I'm thinking too much. He says, you have to make a decision right now. We're already standing. He says, so. You're already standing. If you come down here, you choose life. And if you sit down, you're choosing death. (laughs) We're still standing. So my brother's looking at me. And I'm looking at him. And and, and, uh, again, I'm 17 months older than my brother. So he's looking at me like, dude, whatever you do, I do. I'm riding out with you. Whatever decision you make, I'm doing the same thing. So I sat down. (laughs) This is the way my parents taught me. If you don't hear the Holy Spirit, don't respond. This is the way they always taught me. I I, I didn't have a relationship with Christ at that time, but I, I didn't. So I sat down. And so my brother sat down, too. I thought it would have been over. It wasn't over. His wife jumped up. Front row jumped up. I mean, that's exaggerating. She didn't do like that. 
She popped out of her chair. She said, wait a minute. Wait just a minute. The Bible says that the day that you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Now, listen, I've always had a mouth. It's redeemed now. But pre-Jesus, it was not redeemed. I, like, I have clapbacks for days. Like, you never want to catch me. Remember I told you I will always have a reply? I will clap back, okay? I will patty cake you to death, okay? <laughs> so she, she just, it was like an alley-oop. She says, the day that you hear his voice, harden not your heart. And then I said, it's like one of those things that it comes out your mouth and you're like, no. <laughs> Come back. It was already out. I said, well, but that's the thing. I don't hear God's voice. I only hear yours. I'm Pastor Charles and Maxine's children. And, and that was the end of that. Service was over. I mean, because it's awkward after that. Like, well, everybody just bow your heads. Right? Here's the thing. Two years later, on January 14th of 1996, with no sermon, the Holy Spirit brought me to Jesus, and I stood up in my parents' church and gave my life to Christ. And I changed my clothes without somebody blackmailing me into the kingdom. It's your choice. Point number four, write this down. You should change your clothes. <laughs> Very anticlimactic last point, right? Duh, you should change your clothes, but, but I wanna give you the reason why. Here's what it says in 1 Timothy, my namesake, 4, verses 1 and 2. Now, the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars, and their consciences are dead. Let me give you the definition for hypocrisy. A person who pretends to have virtues, moral or religious beliefs, principles, that he or she does not actually possess, especially a person whose actions belie stated beliefs. The second one is a person who feigns, I love that word, some desirable or publicly approved attitude, especially one whose private life, opinions, or statements belie his or her public statements. Here is... Uh, the heart behind the king kicking out the guy that won't change their clothes. It's hypocrisy for you to be here. You clearly don't want to be because you didn't change your clothes. So to continue to show up 
means that you like the benefits that this gives you. But you don't want any of the responsibility that comes with it. There are some people that love communities of faith because they're going to get a hug. They're going to hear good music. They're going to get some good teaching. And they just like the community atmosphere of it, but they actually don't want the covenant that comes with it. This is exasperated in the Bible Belt. You got to remember, I am from Southern California. West Coast, East Coast is completely different than down South in the Bible Belt area. West Coast, when I gave my life to Jesus, I gave my life to Jesus. It was not a cultural thing. It was not because my parents were believers. I had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ that forever, for the last 22 years, has continued to transform my life. When I moved down to Texas in 1997, what I found out is church is y'all's life. You go to church because it's Sunday. It's almost like woven into the cultural fabric that we go to church. So there's almost been a conditioning. I'm not saying this about every church, but there's been a conditioning in a lot of people that go to church on the weekends that this is just something that we do. Not something that 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 we're supposed to do because we've had our hearts transformed. So there's a lot of people that show up to church on weekends. That have never changed their clothes. And you've either been yelled at for not changing them or not addressed at all. This won't be that church. I'm never going to yell at you to change your clothes. But I'm also never going to not address the fact that you should change your clothes. Or why be here? Like, there's plenty other things for you to do. There's the Rotary Club, <laughs> the Elks Lodge, Masonic Temple, the club, just a regular club, just a Saturday night club. <laughs> right? You can go join a Frisbee football league. There's like a lot of stuff. Like, like this is what I'm saying. For, for, if this is not something that you want to do, yeah. Don't be a hypocrite. Just don't do it. And we're not going to boot you in the outer darkness like this. That's not going to be the message. But, but it's going to be we respect your decision to find the community that best fits you. But everybody in here that I know of is trying to change their clothes. And please let me make this distinction clear. There's a difference between struggling to get your clothes on and refusing to wear them, period. Can I say that? Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a real, I'm skinny, right? Uh, I put myself on the scale this morning. I was 158.8. About to be 43, 158. I'm doing well, okay? I, I, like, I like my jeans to fit. I'm not wearing skinny jeans as a style. I'm skinny. 
right? Skinny jeans were made for me because I'm actually thin, okay? And because the jeans fit, I have to do something to get them on. If they were baggy, I could just slip into them. If I starched them, I could stand them up and just, right? But because they fit, there's going to be some, because they fit. This is the gospel. The gospel is going to fit you. And there aren't, he doesn't have different sizes. It's one size fits all. Which means if you're too tall, you're going to shrink. And if you're too short, you're going to grow. And if you're too big, you have to slim down, humble yourself. And if you're too small, you're going to have to gain weight and start eating. Because he's only handing out one outfit that fits all. He doesn't care about your background, your religious beliefs. He doesn't care about your opinion. He doesn't care about the way you think you are uh, uh, orientated. He's saying, put this on. Well, well it, it's too tight. You just, you just need to slim down a little bit. Put it on. It's going to tell you the areas that you need to work on. This size is a governor. You're going to know. If you're too small and need to, and if it's too loose, you need to beef up a little bit. And if it's, if it's too tight, you might need to slim down a little bit. But it's one size fits all. He's saying, this, this, these are the clothes that I want you to wear. You can put them on. Or you cannot put them on. But don't be a hypocrite. You can't have your cake and eat it too. You either want this life or you don't. And it's your choice. Last thing. Here's the reason why you can't stay. Because after a while, you look awkward. Every, King noticed. After a while, everyone starts to notice. I don't think, uh, I don't think you've changed your clothes. I'll give you my best story about this. And it didn't happen in church. It actually happened in the club. Um, I gave my life to Christ. I was, on, I was in the process of uh, uh, working to... Um, become a homicide detective, and uh, had got to the seventh stage, which is to do your psychological evaluation. And uh, I decided to tell the truth and nothing but the truth on my psych, and they failed me for it. Young Christian man, believer, whatever question they ask, I'm just going to answer it. And I did, and they failed me on the psych. I wasn't crazy. I'm not crazy. Uh, <laughs> but based on uh, the truthfulness of my responses, they decided this would not be the right psychological fit for the Los Angeles Police Department. I got mad at God. Can't believe you did this to me. Now, I had already changed my clothes. And I got mad at God and said, I can't believe you did this to me. So I decided to go back to the club on the weekend with my friends. Like, I'll fix you. <laughs> and I went to the club. And I was dancing because I didn't, I, I didn't forget how to dance when I got saved. Okay, and, and I was hanging out, and I didn't forget the songs, because it had only been four months, so I was, I, the lyrics came back quick, okay, and I was just sitting there, enjoying myself, and this dude walked up to me, I've never seen him before in my life, with his drink, hey man, I was like, what's up man, 
He said, man, you ain't supposed to be here. I'm sorry, what? Man, you're not supposed to be here. I said, what do you mean? Man, this is something, I don't know. I don't know, it's something, bro, you're not supposed to be here. This is a sinner. <laughs> Telling me that I shouldn't be in the club. You know why? He saw the clothes I had on. And that, that, that dude clearly had a gift for spiritual discernment. He didn't even realize it yet. Yeah. This dude walked up to me and said, you should not be here. And I danced two more songs. Because <laughs> it's just a little bit out of pride. Like, you ain't going to tell me <laughs> what I'm going to be. And after the second song went off, I agreed with him. I was like, I don't think I'm supposed to be here. You're going to stick out like a sore thumb. If you put on the Lord Jesus Christ and you try to go back to your old ways, you're, not go, you're going to stick out. But if you haven't put on the Lord Jesus Christ and you, and you keep trying to show up to community like this, you're going to stick out. I'm down to help anyone who struggles to put on their clothes. But I'm going to be a hawk as the spiritual authority in this house against anybody who chooses to show up week in and week out and refuse to change their clothes. So change them. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you would like to know more about Embassy City Church, please visit us at embassycity.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Embassy Irving.